Uh, I have a number of announcements for you today about Christmas before we let the kids go. Yes, it's only how many weeks away? Eight, ten, eight or ten weeks? Goodness gracious, here we go with Christmas, okay? So there are really three things that you can get involved in in the life of this church uh, for Christmas. First and foremost, on the 3rd of December, we are having our Christmas outreach service, otherwise known as a toy giveaway too for the kids with all new toys. These are pictures from last year. We had about 400, 450 people who showed up and it's a real blast and we really want to do something for the community where, uh, you know, they, they don't know sometimes what a, like a Christmas service is. Uh, so we're going to do that and we're going to give out hundreds of toys at the same time. And so we need uh, your help. We need to raise a little bit of money for this. Uh, we have quite a bit of toys now, but we still need to supplement it a little. We do have a donor who's uh, related to somebody in this church and who loves what we do and is getting us a whole bunch of new toys, but we will need some more. So that's something that you can give to. We are also, oh, and by the way, I'm still looking for actors. You're shy. You know how much fun it is to act on the stage here and do a little skit for five minutes? Oh, folks, it's so much fun. So if you like to act, young people, this is a really cool thing for you. It's not going to be a ton of work, okay? And we're probably going to do it in what's called a reader's theater. A reader's theater, you actually can read the script right in front of you. And if you act well enough, it's a really kind of cool feel to it. And it's a little retelling of uh, It's a Wonderful Life in Five Minutes. So really interesting, fun script. So if you want to get involved in acting, there'll be a couple of rehearsals that we'll arrange as well. Please, please, please come and see me, okay? So we are also uh, going to do these, um, they call them at the elementary school, pick-me-up boxes for Christmas. That is from uh, uh, Good Shepherd Elementary School in Brossard, school in a bit of a rough area, a lot of families that, that are you know struggling in terms of uh, finances and all of that that go to that school. So every year we pack these, these boxes. We actually order them now from uh, Hickory Farms, I think it is. And, some years we pack them ourselves and we just give them to them. We put my little business card in that and we give it to the, to the principal and they give them to families in need. And you, you'd be surprised, folks, when people get you know, something for nothing and there's no strings attached. It really draws their attention. So we're going to do that as well. That's something we need to raise money for, for sure. Uh, and also, uh, you can get involved in Operation Christmas Child. It is that time again to pack those shoe boxes that literally go around the world. Let me give you some statistics here. Just last year in Canada alone, over 400,000 boxes were packed out of a total of worldwide 10 million uh, 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 shoe boxes filled with things for children. And so it, this is a massive, massive operation uh, that is done every year through Operation Christmas Child. It's very simple. You pack a shoebox of things for children, and this goes to countries all over the world. This year, the ones that are being packed in Canada are going to Ukraine, Central and South America. Uh, countries in Africa and various refugee camps of which there are many uh, around the world. So you say, well, what goes inside of a shoebox? You put school supplies in there, you can put hygiene items in there, clothes, some people, yeah, clothes you can stuff in there, craft supplies, tools, toys, stuffed animals, sports items, and more, so things like that. You say, well, what doesn't go in? Don't put something in there that can break, like with glass. 
Don't put food in there. Don't put liquid in there. Don't put uh, uh, paste, like toothpaste or glitter or glue or things like that that will make a mess. And nothing that would uh, scare or harm a kid. So no, you know, no horror movie stuff out there, right? No skulls, no knives, no army stuff, things like that. And they also say no playing cards because sometimes it can cause a little bit of controversy with people who get it, okay? So you, you pack it and then you say, well, what do I do with it? Do I bring it back to the church? No, 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 don't bring it here. You bring it over here, okay? Our contact for many years has been at a little church in Chattagay, Centre Evangelique uh, on Boulevard d'Anjou. And the pickup is between November 12th and 20th. So it gives you about a month to do that. You can find out more info, samaritansburst.ca slash OCC. There are many, many uh, drop-off locations. You don't have to bring it to the one that we use. It just happens to be the closest, all right? So if you want to give uh, to either the Christmas service that we're going to do December the 3rd or those boxes, uh, that we uh, give to the elementary schools just on your envelope there you can put Christmas and we, it'll all go to that that endeavor all right and we're going to raise money for the next few weeks uh, to take care of this so you can give any way that you want but we're going to circulate those baskets now if you've never given in this church before we do need your name and address the first time after that just put your full name and we'll be able to track you down and receipt you at the end of the year I heard a yes there you're smiling too, Pam. It, the, you know, the, it says God loves a cheerful giver. So that's good. It, and it, you know what, folks? It's a discipline to give. I practice the discipline myself. And I know it stings sometimes with the price of everything over the top, over the roof. But you know what? God uses it way, way, way more than anything that you could, you could possibly uh, do with money I mean what God can do with what you give is phenomenal so thank you in advance uh, for your giving today and the kids are ready to go I see Luciana I see Alain I see Janet okay so kids up to primary school age you follow Luciana out the the door and she'll take you into screen number 11 okay we'll give them a second don't 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 be shy yeah you can go don't worry You'll have fun over there. Trust me, I saw the setup. It looks great. Okay, so I'm going to introduce our guest and hand it over to him. No stranger to this church. I see him over the light there. Pastor Ron Rust, who has uh, uh, been in, in ministry for many, many decades. Uh, really one of the, the, the wise leaders in our district of Quebec. Pastored many churches and involved in many different things and missions and so on. Most recently... Uh, Trinity Pentecostal Church, where he was a lead pastor for what, 15 years? 15 years, and now uh, retired with his wife Anna, who's not here. She's retired also, but at a camp somewhere or a ladies' retreat. And of course, we have Pastor Ron over here, retired, but going to share today. And also, will talk to us about the Bible College Institute Biblique du Québec. Would you please welcome Ron Russ today? How many of you like to decorate your place according to the season? Now, when we get to Christmas, it'll change again, and then summer comes. But at any rate, we're enjoying the season in which we are. This morning, I'm here as a representative of uh, IBQ, Institut Biblique du Québec, Quebec Bible Institute, um, as an ambassador, if you will. I've taught at IBQ, um, our Bible college, for over 30 years I've been pastoring for over 46 years and have had the joy of uh, being involved in so many areas. Uh, but right now, the passion and the burden of my heart is to raise up a new generation of leaders, of pastors. Uh, that will answer the call of God to love, to serve, to care for, to lead God's people in the days ahead. To help people know God and to make him known because nothing 
in life could be more important. I mean, if you're looking for purpose in your life, I challenge you to consider God's future for your life in serving him in a leadership position in the church or even in the pastoral role. Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And this morning, I'm asking the Lord that maybe this morning God would speak to some people here today. Could be young or could be old, doesn't matter. That maybe he's calling you. And this is a privilege, an honor, that God would consider us to be worthy of serving him in this capacity. What an amazing purpose for living. What's IBQ exactly? Well, its mission is to train and equip Pentecostal leaders for effective ministry. It launches people into church leadership to go forward in their calling. It helps people to want to serve God and increase their effectiveness. And this Quebec Bible Institute is part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which this church is part of. This Bible college is yours. It belongs to you. We must fulfill its mission. It offers courses in theology and Bible in partnership with Laval University. There are courses in counseling and practical theology that will equip you to be successful for God's plan. It's fully accredited in both English and French. You can do it on site, and you can do it also by video. And then also, it's for all ages backgrounds, and here are some students that you see in front of you, uh, different ages from young people from Cégep, uh, from others who are career people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s even, have said, yes, Lord, I feel a call in my life. I want to go forward in that calling. If we love the church of Jesus Christ, then we must consider what is his mission with the short number of years I have to live and so, in essence, uh, this morning, I want to thank you, Pastor Joe. I want to thank the church board of this church. I want to thank uh, City Point Church for being an amazing supporter of our Bible College Training Center. And after this service, uh, please go to the info table in the hallway uh, and pick up more information, if you will. Just explore it. Just pray about it. I'll be there waiting for you at the end of the service. It'll be a pleasure to talk to you and answer any questions you have and to explore the exciting future that God might have for you to go deeper in Him so you could serve Him with greater effectiveness. Well, this morning, I have a message I want to deliver to you in a few minutes ahead of us uh, called A Higher Calling. As modern people, we have too much to live with and not enough to live for. What are you living for today? According to modern research, about one-third of individuals feel their work is a calling. Companies want to give their employees a purpose. They'll say to the employees, you don't have a job, you have a calling. And so I took some mottos from different big companies that, you're, that you know very well because they like to transform the very reason for their existence in something that will motivate their employees to do a better job. So listen to them. This is Starbucks. Here's their motto. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Did you ever realize that when you're taking a cup of Starbucks, you're wanting to inspire and nurture the human spirit? And then Coca-Cola. Here's what they say. To refresh the world to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and to make a difference. Amen for Coca-Cola, but it's a bit too sweet for me. Then Microsoft, to enable people and businesses throughout the world to realize their full potential. Did you realize that when you're in a Word document, that actually you're helping people to realize their full potential? And then Nike, bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. And if you have a body, you're an athlete. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a body, you're an athlete. <laughs> but the question we need to answer today is, am I living with purpose and calling, or am I just living? 
Let's talk about what the word call or calling really means. A cry is a summons. It's to make a request or a demand. It's to attract someone's attention. We all have our, our phones and, and on them often we have call display. And, and, and many of you will look at the call display and say, I don't recognize that number. I'm not going to answer. Or, or maybe you'll say, well, I'm busy right now. I'll phone back later. We can choose whether we answer or not. But there is a call from God that needs to be answered. And I would say to you this morning that the message we have in the Bible is like God has called us. And he's left us a message. And he's waiting for us to call him back. So what is the call of God? Let me say at the outset, we cannot find God unless God finds us. We cannot satisfy God without God. Unless God calls you, you can never reach him. Unless he draws you to himself, you cannot know him. He must bridge the chasm. We start out searching for God. But we end up being discovered by him. We read, we love God because he first loved us. Called, calling is so important in the Bible. It's found over 880 times. Here's some examples. In John 6, we read, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws or calls him. Second Thessalonians, may God make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. And Philippians, press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I would say to you that God has a responsibility to call us today. And, and he's doing so, I believe, he always needs to make the first move. And Jesus is the greatest caller in all of history. He's always calling. Thirteen times in the gospel, he calls out to people and he says, follow me. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a called one. To know God, it's because we've responded to the call. Listen to a, an amazing Christian author by the name of C.S. Lewis who says this, The more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Because he made us, he invented us, he has a purpose for us to be. The more I resist him and try to live in my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity, upbringing, surroundings, natural desires, culture, to be called by God is to hear God whisper three things to you in a hundred different ways. You are chosen. You are gifted. You are special. And it's all a gift of his grace. And so Paul would write to Timothy and said, he saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. But the way we come to God is through penitence. The way that we encounter God and the way that God encounters us is through the cross. God has a desire to communicate with this world. But he said the point of contact between God and man is through a repentance that recognizes his suffering on the cross. And when you recognize that and you come to God through Jesus, there is a connection that is made between you and him. And so this morning, I want to talk about three keys that have changed my life. Three, kings, three keys that are very pertinent, very real in my life that I've come to understand over all the many years since I've accepted Jesus back in, well, in the 70s, actually. At a time when I was so angry to God, at a time when my mother had just taken her life, 
And I thought, if there was a God, I'll never believe in him. And then six months later, I came to know Jesus as my personal Savior. And, and I answered a call. I mean, I was going to McGill University here in Montreal. I wanted to be an engineer and build bridges. And then all of a sudden, through all of this, I was in a service like this this morning. And I said, Lord, if you could use me, I'm willing to give my life to you. And where God has brought me, I would have never thought possible. The thing that God's have done in my life so, oh, oh, since I've known him for the last uh, 51 years have, have astounded me. I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was smart enough. I never thought I had the ability to do these things. I was never brought up in a Christian home where I was reading the Bible. I went to Bible college and I had to read the Bible for the first time because I knew nothing. Moses crossing the Red Sea, what is that? You know, about Ezra and about all the prophets. And I didn't know very, I had never read the Bible before. And I said, God, I don't know how you're going to use me. But when God sees a willing heart, he can take you on a journey so exciting it will astound you. All he's looking for is someone to say, here I am, Lord, use me. And so the three keys that I've come to understand are, are so important in our serving God and answering his call are these. Number one, the first thing for God's call to be realized in your life is that he singles you out. He calls you by name. Until that happens, you're not going very far. Until you sense that God has called you, you're not going to be able to respond. And the second thing is that he all of a sudden wants us to bring us to a place of consecration where we'd say, Lord, because you've called me, because of who you are, now I'm willing to commit there is no future for your life as a Christian until you consecrate yourself. And then lastly, there's motivation. And if you don't have motivation, you're not going anywhere. If there's no passion within you, you may as well just continue to live your religious life, but it's not going to make any difference for time and eternity. So singled out, consecrated, and then motivated. Why would I even consider this as a possibility for my future? Singled out. Let's talk about Moses firstly. Yeah. As an example. Uh, when we think about Moses this morning. We think of the fact that. Um, he had this encounter with God. But note in the verses I'm going to read to you. That God called him by name. Exodus 3. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, and do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look to God. The Lord called Moses from a burning bush. He spoke to him, and he only heard a voice. He never saw a person in front of him. And the question we need to ask here is, why did God not show himself and defer to the I? Why does he not, did not give us pictures that would be worth a thousand words why does he use words that are so fragile that often evaporate with our breath? Apparently, the God of Sinai prohibits not only idols to rival him, but images to represent him. And with a brief and merciful and marvelous exception of Jesus, God in the flesh, God speaks to us especially in words. And our responsibilities as creatures is to listen, to trust. To obey those words. I suggest to you that words are the deepest and fullest expression of God's message to us. They frame his calling to us. And God calls us through his word. And when we listen carefully, we let God be God in all his awe and his majesty. I mean, Moses, he was a man of action. He was trying to deliver the people of God, you know, the people of Israel there, and he killed this Egyptian soldier, and he ran for his life, and you know, in the desert 40 years. Uh, 
And he says to God, I'm, I'm not really a man of words. But God would transform him and he would become the hero of the moral word and the Ten Commandments uh, and facing rebellion of the golden, of the golden calf uh, and the deepest crisis of his life with his leadership on the line. He prays before God with all his heart and he said, God, I need something from you. I'm, I feel like I might be killed by the people. I'm trying to represent you. Show me your glory. And God speaks to him. And note again that God's revelation is not invisible. It's not a, a visible manifestation. It comes through words. Then the Lord passed in front of Moses and called out, The Lord, the Lord God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, devotion, and faithfulness, maintaining loving devotion in uh, to thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And words like these from God were the basis of Moses' call. It set his life on fire with God's purpose. We are being consumed in our generation by many things. Food and drink and possession and ambition and art and music and literature and love and freedom. But here is a human being ablaze with the desire of God because of God's words. And the very first thing that God does when he calls us, he, he singles us out. And he calls us by name like Moses. And like Isaiah says, But now saith the Lord, he created you, fear not, I have redeemed you. I call you by name, you are mine. Very personal. This happened in my life at 18 years old when I was so angry against God that eventually I heard the words of John 4 where Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman and he basically says to her, the water I give you will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And I was so empty and I was so lost in my thoughts and my future. I, I was just an angry young man wondering what is the reason for my life. And when I gave my heart to Jesus and I said, if you're there, you're going to have to prove yourself. It all came because the words that I heard from his word got into my heart and were activated by his spirit. And I came alive to the possibility there was more to this life than just existing and going back into the ground one day. And when I invited in my heart, it was like someone came inside with, with, with cleaning brushes and cleansed me inside. I felt clean. I felt purified. I felt delivered from a guilt that oh, haunted me. And then today, all these years later, it has never left because that relationship has grown and become so real. Today, God would single you out. You are not someone just to sort of consider God an option. He is the very reason you're alive today, the one who made you and the one who has a purpose for your life. And he wants today to know that he's calling you by name. The second thing that I realized too in this call of God is that we must be consecrated. And I'm using Isaiah's vision and calling here to help us to understand this. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, and this is Isaiah now is writing all of this, and he says, okay, Isaiah mentions King Isaiah's death. Because it, it fixes a date in history. We're talking like 8th century B.C., 739 B.C. exactly. But it also states his mind. And so I, Uzziah had prospered. He had brought the, the Israelite nation into great prosperity. And, and they had been so victorious in so many military uh, uh, you know, endeavors they've involved in. And all of a sudden, we see after 52 years, he started to get filled with his own thoughts that he was a bit lifted up in his mind and, and he disobeyed God and he had tragic finish and, and he died a leper in isolation. And Isaiah now was discouraged. The king is dead. And he, he was disillusioned. He was wondering, what am I going to do? It's a national crisis. 
And all of a sudden, an unproven king was on the throne, and enemies were growing stronger, and the nation was drifting into idolatry. And he was saying, where is God in all of this? He's just like us, because we ask the same questions today. We say, where are you, God? What's happening around me? I don't understand. If there is a God, why does he allow this, and why this, and why this? And then all of a sudden, God shows up. And notice again the words that he delivers to Isaiah that would be with him for 40 years as he would serve God in this prophetic role. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. He had this heavenly vision, lofted and exalted with a train of his robe filling the temple. And seraphim stood above him, and each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one he called out to the other, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, and the whole earth is filled of his glory. And all the foundations that trembled, thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. To Isaiah's question, what's happening? Uzziah the king is dead. What is our future? God was saying, I'm on my throne. He gave him a, a glimpse, glimpse of eternity. Earthly ruder, rulers will die, but God was on his throne, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And king's robes in that time often demonstrated their power and position based on the long of, their, of the train of their robes that would be behind them. And it says here that the train of God's robe filled the temple, talking about his great power and authority. Uh, Angels were attending to him, seraphims, burning ones. They had six wings, and two covered their face, and two covered their feet, and two, co two would get wings to fly, talking about their humility before God, wanting to cover their uncleanness. And though through Isaiah we see God revealing himself through his word. Maybe we haven't had the, 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 the vision of Isaiah, but we have the words that are left to us to impact our lives if we would so choose to accept them. Isaiah's reaction is, Woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've seen the king. He felt there was something between him and God. There is no way that a God so holy and powerful would want a relationship with such a puny little man so imperfect in his life. And then he heard the Lord say, and then after that it says, A seraphim with a burning coal taken from the altar touches Isaiah's lips and says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is forgiving. You see, for a person to be fit for ministry, there must be a sense that God delivers us from guilt. God delivers us from sin. God delivers us from our mistakes and our errors and our shortcomings. It's true that if you're going to serve God, you must experience God's cleansing power within because otherwise you'll question and say, why me, Lord? What do I have to bring to others? I am so imperfect in my approach. And God says in Christ, we are new creatures. He cleanses us and he causes us to be fit to serve in him because it's by grace and mercy that God sets us up to represent him before this world. And then I heard the voice of the Lord, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And so we see Isaiah here consec consecrating his, his life. And he's saying, God is saying, who shall I send? It's like God is saying, I have a burden in my heart. I see people suffering. I see governments coming and oppressing the, the vulnerable and the weak. I see all that's happening, and I need a messenger. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah listens, and he says, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Could it be that God is speaking to us this morning, and he's saying, Whom shall I send? Will there be anybody here this morning who will say, here I am, Lord, send me. You see, when we consecrate ourselves, we are consecrating ourselves because we recognize God's words address us. God's spirit convicts us. God's church is there to equip us and to help us to find a place to serve. And so the church literally means the called out ones. That's what it means in Greek. 
And no one is in church is self-appointed to ministry. God always uses a church to confirm this. A one who is chosen by God to preach or teach, serve must be observed and tested by others in the church. Your service of God is shaped not only by the gifts you have, but the fellowship in which they're exercised. And church fellowship is much more than just camaraderie or, or friendships. It's, it's actually sharing together. It's, it's serving together. You cannot grow without serving and receiving the ministry of others. If you're growing in some way in your spiritual walk with God, it's because you're serving. It's the way God confirms and causes your life to be effective. And so I learned this once I accepted Jesus in my life. Not only was I singled out, but I responded, whom shall I send? And, and I recognized through this story of Isaiah how great, how majestic, how holy God is. And because I sensed he purified my heart, I said, here I am, Lord, send me. And the third key finally is motivated. What keeps you motivated to do this for your life? This began when I began to respond to, by faith to Jesus. And, and there's been a growing relationship in my life. It's, it's like when you get married and you love your wife or you love your husband and you can say that you actually love them more today than you loved them yesterday or last year. How many of you would say, I love my partner, my spouse, more today than I did before? Isn't that so true? You learn to love God because you learn to know Him. You, you, you learn to understand. It's one thing to begin this journey by faith, but faith leads to understanding. And understanding leads to a fulfillment uh, that only God can bring to help you understand who you are and what you were created to be. And so motivation, very briefly, is like Timothy was called by God. He was confirmed by prophecy. He was a disciple, protege of the Apostle Paul. But there was a moment of life, I believe, he wanted to give up. And Paul writes to him and says, here's motivation to continue on to serve God. Let me say to you that you're, you are a living reflection of your theology. Why do you respond to God? You see, the problem is of most North Americans is that we're basically focused on what we can get out of things. We're a consumer society that is always trying to think, I deserve a break today. It's all about me. We are more self-centered than we are God-centered. And so, essence, when we think now of why we should serve God, we always ask the question, what will I get out of it? But when you understand who God is, that really it's not about me, but it's about Him, it changes your focus. And Timothy needed to get a new vision of God because he was serving God, but his, his passion had waned. He felt uh, opposition. He was a young guy, and, and people were saying, you're just too young, you know, like, who are you, whippersnapper? Uh, and, 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 but Paul says, you know, hear what he says. But you, a man of God, talking to Timothy, flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You're called, Timothy. You take hold of eternal life. If you don't grasp it, it will, you might lose it. Flee, pursue, fight. Fight for it. And then he shows to him the motivation for why he should even do this. Verse 13, God who makes all things alive, he's the sustainer of all life. Jesus would say, if God takes care of the sparrows that, that, that are here and numbers the hairs of your head, don't you know how much more you are value than they are? It's the only way to live and do your spiritual duty says, God, you gave me life. My very breath comes from you. And I must acknowledge that. 
and Christ of Je- and of Jesus Christ, who made good the fearless confession in his testimony before Pontius Pilate. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, who said to him, "Are you a king?" And he says, "You said it. I'm a king." To this end I was born. For this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Who is Jesus for you? He is the supreme authority. The Bible declares him to be the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He's not just a good man, a good prophet, a moral teacher. He is the one that is the author and finisher of my faith. He is the one that paid the price that no man could pay so that you could be standing righteous before God through him. And today when you think of Jesus, we think of the fact that my life is in God's hands. He's preserving my life, verse 14, until the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. Again, our life here is so temporary. The older I get, the more I wonder how many years I have left. And I keep saying, Lord, I'm, I'm a vapor. I'm a little gleam in history. It'll come to an end. But then he says that the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. There's a second coming of Jesus. And he's promised that give a crown of righteousness to those who are faithfully serving him. Don't lose your focus, my friends. God, the blessed, Paul goes on. God, the happy, the content, the fulfilled. God is never frustrated. He's never anxious. He's never unhappy. He's never wringing his hands. He's never feeling that the world is out of control. He has a plan in the midst of all that's happening. And that we are to enter into his calm. Because in God, there's a peace. It's the greatest miracle you can have. Sometimes you're going through situations that overwhelm you. And you say, oh God, give me something. And he gives you peace, passes understanding. And you say, Lord, I can rest in you. You will take care of me. And then he goes on, the only ruler, the king, and the Lord of lords, the only sovereign one. There's no competition. I mean, he's absolutely sovereign. No one is vying for control over me who can defeat him. Have you not heard the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, doesn't faint? He never gets weary. There's no search of his understanding, his power. He gives power to the faint. Who alone is immortal? He's outside of history. He's in control of everything. He sees the beginning for the end. And you've got to be part of this plan because history is just basically in between the beginning and the end. He lives in unapproachable light. He never makes a mistake. To him be honor and might forever and ever. Let me just conclude with these words and I'll invite uh, Simon to come back. We'll just sing one more song before we go. When I understood that my calling are these three things, I'm singled out. I'm consecrated because I say, send me. And now I'm motivated, not because of my good works, or because of what I get out of what God can give me, but because of who he is and what he's done for me. And I owe him gratitude. I owe him everything. For me right now, to live for him is the very reason of my life. You can miss your calling, my friend. Assume that it begins in the future. Decide you don't know what it is. And sit down to wait for the Lord's call. This world offers so many choices. There's a smorgasbord of endless array of dishes you can taste. And choice has become a priority or a right. I have, but Jesus says, I have chosen you. You have not chosen me. And when you recognize that God has chosen you, it helps you overcome the idolatry of choice itself. We are not our own. We have been bought at a great price. Therefore, we declare, not my will, but thine be done. Calling is the key to the storyline of your life. 
Say yes to God's calling. Say no to the, to the chaos and the, the despair of this world. And measure your discipleship and gratitude to God based on the ministry you have time for. How do you answer God's calling in your life? You say, Lord, you're singling me out. God, I'm consecrating myself to ministry. And Lord, I'm motivated because of who you are. Jesus, may you receive the reward of your sufferings. Lord, you are worthy, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, if that is your stance, your life will make a tremendous impact in this world in the few years you live it. Don't miss the boat, my friend. There is a higher calling, and God gives you the message. The words go forward, and when by faith you embrace them, God's Spirit brings you alive to the very purpose that God has for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for this higher calling. I believe at the sound of my voice, O oh God, that the words of God forth are now being activated and, and, and being illuminated in the hearts of those that are listening by your Spirit. God, I pray we would not leave here indifferent. You are worthy, O oh God. As you have called me, you have called each one of us. And it's never too late to answer this call. And this morning, I would ask you who are gathered this morning to stand with me, please, if you will, to your feet. And I'd like you to take a moment right now to lift your hands and to say, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Why don't you just pray right now and say, Lord, you've singled me out. Lord, I consecrate myself to, for your glory and for your mission to receive, to, to reach this lost world. And Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of my life. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's the reason that gives us true meaning in this life. Say thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, that my life can count. Thank you, Lord, that I can move forward in my calling for you. I've heard your message. I say, yes, Lord. Why don't you just say, yes, Lord. Say it to him. Yes, Lord. Send me. Send me. And you will see that God will equip you and cause you to do things and bring you to a place you never imagined possible by His grace and His power that will accompany you. In Jesus' name we say, thank you, Lord, for choosing me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that today? Let's give God a hand this morning and say, thank you, Jesus for your saving and loving power in my life. Uh, Pastor Joe, would you come, please? Before you leave today, why don't you take a moment to uh, meet Pastor Ron over at the table. He'll be outside. You can also pick up a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. We'll turn it over to Simon to sing, and you can stay as long as you want or visit outside. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day.